Hey, I was a poster child for the big career. 26 years old, running a magazine at a time when magazines mattered. And 26-year-olds were years away from such high aspirations. Of course, the world has changed. A 26-year-old running a company is no longer the exception, although not quite the rule either. And magazines? Well, we bow our head. That's a sad part of the story. But I hope a story that's not done being told yet. TBD. TBD. Today, the idea of single-mindedly clawing your way to that big career feels a little cringy, doesn't it? Every Sunday morning, I get together with a wonderful group of readers of this letter. We've been talking about this idea of the career and how it's sort of gone the way of the dinosaur. It really got me wondering if I was ever actually plotting out a big career. In retrospect, I think I followed a more authentic flow, and rather than calling it a career, I would call it my life's work. Let's explore the difference. Here's a mixtape of different moments from my professional trajectory as a study. Senior year in college, I was already interning in magazines, and girl, I loved it. But my interests at that point were really just beauty and fashion. That was my main jam. I was a fashionista. I was also a cutter. I started cutting one day at work the summer after senior year in high school. I was upset about something relating to a guy. You know how it is. Today I don't remember the situation or even the guy. But back then, the details of the drama were everything. I went to my job at Carvel wearing my version of the required uniform skin-tight white guest jeans with zippered bottoms and my uniform shirt tied above my belly button. Despite my flashy getup, I was really suffering. Just being in my body was truly an uncomfortable feeling. I had big emotions jammed up in my throat, my chest, my stomach. I pretended to go to the bathroom, but I really just needed a mental health break. I sat on the closed toilet with my head in my hands, and I can still remember studying the grimy white tiles on the floor and realizing the five-minute respite in that tiny, dirty bathroom was not helping at all. But then my eyes rested on a loose razor blade on the sink. It must have belonged to the owner of the store, along with a calendar of busty girls in skimpy bikinis on the wall. He used to tell his friends who would come in about me, she's built like a brick shithouse. Back then, you could get away with that nonsense. But something about that blade just spoke to me. It had a hypnotic quality, and I knew just what to do with it. I dragged it along my inner arm, putting just enough pressure to break the skin, but not too much to cause major damage. I saw the line fill up with blood I don't know, sister. I just felt better. It gave expression to my inner pain, a real pain to match the more amorphous energetic pain that I just couldn't get a handle on. It gave me something tangible to focus on. And just like that, I was ready to go back to work. It was my little secret, my little feel better tool. And I used it throughout college, moving my spots around so no one would be the wiser. 
But fast forward to senior year, like any addictive behavior, it wasn't quite as simple as the first time for many different reasons. For starters, it was uncomfortable to keep it a secret from my closest friends. I didn't want them to think I was a freak. Plus, it worked less and less well over time, so I had to make more or bigger cuts. And the most embarrassing development was that I had started to weaponize it. If my boyfriend Jay and I were having a horrible fight, I would threaten to self-injure knowing that it totally freaked him out. I would go so far as to dramatically grab a blade in the middle of an argument. He would tackle me and so the focus would shift from whatever we were fighting about onto his taking care of me. I know. I'm swallowing my vomit. And yes, I wish this fucking newsletter was called edited in moments like this. So one day I was flipping through a random issue of Seventeen magazine that had somehow found its way into my dorm room. Much to my complete and utter shock, there was an article about this. They called it cutting. I couldn't believe it was a thing. Remember, back then there was no internet and I had never heard of anyone else doing this. My mind was blown. And as I kept reading, it listed different reasons people may self-injure. And one of the causes listed was incest. Again, since you grew up with the internet, you just know so much more than I did when I was in college. Incest sounded familiar. It's like I had heard the word before, but I literally had to go to a dictionary and look it up. And when I did, I just couldn't believe what I was reading. Yes, that happened to me. There was a name for it. Again, I may sound like I just fell off the turnip truck, but I can only tell you my experience as I remember it. So thanks to Seventeen Magazine, I finally had a name for the self-destructive coping mechanism I had strung together, and I had a name for why I needed this coping mechanism. It was such a revelation. I sometimes wonder if my destiny to one day run 17 was set in motion on that day. Listen, it took me a while before I finally quit. I stopped cutting about a year after college when my ex-husband, then boyfriend, was like, no ma'am, and I went cold turkey. But damn, I was so grateful for that article, that magazine, the first light on the path of my healing journey. At the time, I couldn't afford therapy, not even the $20 clinic my college health services recommended for me. But in time, and once I started working and had insurance, of course that changed. Okay, let's fast forward this mixtape once again. Five years later, I am a senior fashion editor at Cosmopolitan Magazine. I'm in Milan with the then editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan, Bonnie Fuller. We're talking to Tom Ford on the runway after one of his iconic Gucci shows. At the time, Gucci is everything. Tom Ford is everything. Bonnie Fuller is the hottest editor-in-chief. I'm in Milan. I'm wearing whatever fucking awesome thing I'm wearing. I mean, on one hand, there's absolutely nothing deep about the moment. On the other hand, everything is deep about the moment. Now that you know the soundtrack of my childhood, to suddenly find myself fully present in the middle of this glamorous and exciting life, 
It was just an out-of-body experience for the girl who was sitting in that filthy bathroom cutting herself with a dirty razor blade. So when a few months later, the president of Hearst wanted to pick my brain and subsequently asked me to create a prototype for a teen magazine, that was the well I drew from. I'm sure she didn't think I'd nail it. Back then, such a young editor-in-chief just wasn't typical, especially at a big company like Hearst. And despite my background, I didn't pitch a fashion idea. I wanted to write a love letter to the girl that I was. The girl who had a tough childhood but got out and made her dreams come true. I did it. You can do it too, I wanted to say to my beloved readers. I remembered what that one article on Seventeen did for me. I wanted to do a whole magazine of that. And that's where the story becomes spiritual. The night before I started working on the prototype, I had a dream about my dad. He died when I was 16. But then I realized my eyes were open. He was just sitting at the foot of my bed. I closed and opened my eyes. He was still there. I closed and opened my eyes again. Still there. I closed and opened my eyes a third time. He was gone. That next day, all the concepts of Cosmo Girl were just whispered in my ear. It was as though I'd been dreaming about making a teen magazine all my life. When I pitched the magazine idea to the president of the company 48 hours later, apparently an unheard of turnaround time, she said, it looks like we have ourselves a magazine. I became the youngest editor-in-chief in Hearst's over 100-year history. But it felt like the space where divine intervention meets true life inspiration. That is my zone. So fast forward again to today. For the past year and change, like many of you, I've been cocooning and marinating as a human being as opposed to a human doing. I will risk sounding really fucking out there, but my spirituality is perhaps the most foundational part of me, so I don't want to edit it out for fear of judgment. So here goes. I've been sitting and walking with my ancestors, with my spirit guides, with God, the universe. I've asked to be shown my path again, my life's work. I've asked to have creativity flow through me again, like it did when I was working. Like it did when I knew I had to stop working and do the other type of more personal work. And it did, my sister. It did. As I think of what I hope to co-create with you in the future, I see a safe place where we can be our authentic selves, a place where shame can't hang its hat, a place for deep conversations about our lives. Unedited is merely our reintroduction, where I show you and myself that no one detonates if they share what they've spent a lifetime hiding, where I can stand on a stage alone and be vulnerable, knowing that in time, others will slowly join me, that we can stand on stage together, at first quietly holding hands, in time shouting our song of freedom, fully able to express and experience joy because we were able to fully express and experience our grief. And that, my friend, is my life's work. And perhaps somewhere in this story lies the antidote to all the pressure we put on ourselves to lean in towards some big career we have picked out of a hat or because it works for someone else, someone out there that we admire. 
You don't have to be woo-woo like me to do your life's work. You just follow the flow of your unique life, your unique path. As the poet John O'Donohue said, we are so busy managing our lives, we forget this great mystery we are involved in. Please don't forget the mystery of your life. And thank you for joining me on this exploration of mine. I feel so excited about the journey. Please keep sharing yours with me. I would love for this to be not just my story, but your story. I really like this as a two-way street. You know where I am, 24-7, as always, at atusa, atatusa.com.